0: Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby.
1: Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer. I'm one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of
2: Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Olden Camp, also an evangelist.
1: And we're turning our attention now to one of the more famous incidences in the New Testament gospel accounts Jesus and Zacchaeus. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Ross?
2: Yep. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house." So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In his travels, Jesus comes in contact with this man,
1: Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jew. We, this we know from his name, which is the same as Zachai, which means pure, just, or innocent. But he was also chief among the publicans. Or the chief publican. The Greek word rendered chief publican is found only here, and while the exact meaning isn't really clear, it is clear that it is an official title indicating a high rank in the tax system. Since Jericho was a port of entry, so to speak, for caravan routes and highways leading to Jerusalem, It was a natural location for a high-ranking official of the tax system to be stationed. Luke especially mentions his wealth, a natural consequence of his position, and indicating the difficulty of accepting Jesus.
0: Yeah, I love in this story the desire that Zacchaeus has to see Jesus. Um, We know he's uh, shorter in stature. And that um, you know he could have had the viewpoint of I, I'm too short I can't I can't see him maybe another time, or you know even climbing this sycamore tree was kind of a little bit dangerous maybe I'm not gonna to do that. But it it didn't stand in Zacchaeus's way that he desired to see Jesus so much that regardless of him being short regardless of him having to climb up this tree, he was going to see him was going to see Jesus. And for us, are we gonna let? Um, things that may be a hindrance to us stand in our way um, in, in result of seeing Jesus and, and like Zacchaeus will ultimately meeting Jesus are we going to let that stand in our way it's similar to what we talked about in our previous episode of the the blind men there at Jericho that they were told to be, to be quiet and to stop calling out for Jesus and that didn't stand in their way they kept calling out all the more it said in Matthew's account and just a um, something I've always found encouraging and interesting from Zacchaeus, and something we can emulate. You know, I'm, I've
2: noticed a time or two that when in Jesus' ministry, when he sought to create an opportunity to teach, um, he asked someone for help with something. Uh, I know that in John 4, he asked the woman at the well to, to give him a drink. Uh, in this case he asks Zacchaeus to stay at his house Uh, most most of us would probably say that's just not something you ask that's too personal that you don't invite yourself to someone's house but Jesus says "Uh, I'd like to stay at your house (laughs) he gave him an opportunity to to create a relationship or to to create a dialogue and uh, maybe it's not maybe it's not inviting yourself over to spend the night but uh maybe there are ways that we could open doors and let people just into our lives with some small gesture, you know, John 4, give me a drink, please. Uh, just something to start a dialogue and have a conversation with people because we're not going to be able to to share uh, the great message we have unless we have a conversation first. So let's not be afraid to do that.
1: You know, it's, it's clear that Jesus, and I, I think this is important, he not only saw Zacchaeus in that tree, but he looked upon his heart when he saw him. He knew that it was him that had brought Zacchaeus to that tree, what it was that made him climb up that tree. Jesus spoke to him. Imagine how much greater his surprise when Jesus told him to come down and he would stay at his house that very day. Zacchaeus came down and joyously received him. What a blessing it was for that man. The murmuring that was done was characteristic of so many of the Pharisees that I feel confident in saying that some of them must have been part of the multitude. They may even have influenced others in the multitude to join in their murmuring. The murmuring is easy to understand, however, given the generally held view by the Jews concerning publicans or tax collectors. As far as they were concerned, no faithful Jew would ever eat in the home of a publican or a tax collector. That made it that much more inappropriate for one who was a prophet or a teacher to go into such a home. Being the chief of publicans would certainly have made Zacchaeus a man of some notoriety, a notable sinner. I believe that it is implied that Jesus taught those gathered at the, at the dinner. This was most certainly his custom. At the close of the dinner, Zacchaeus stood and declared his faith in Jesus. Behold is how Zacchaeus began, calling attention to what he was about to say. I give half of my goods to the poor. The verb is present tense, meaning now and in the future, a continuous action. When he said, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, it was actually an admission of guilt. The fourfold restitution was called for under the law of Moses in the case of robbery. This Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1.
2: Um, Paul, Paul said in Romans, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. So I'm glad you pointed out that Zacchaeus is a Jewish name, but that's not what makes him uh, of, of Abraham, right? Jesus identifies him as he also is a son of Abraham. That's not something you could have known by looking at him or by looking at his birth certificate Uh, he identified himself as Israel as truly a son of Abraham because of his faith in Jesus and that's what we're looking for today and you can't tell them by looking at them but when they bear fruits of repentance uh, then they will self-identify as sons of Abraham
1: Okay, let's go ahead then and look at the next passage that is there in Luke's account. Luke chapter 8, 19, verses 11 through 28, is the account of the parable of the pounds. So I'll go ahead and read that. Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 28. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful and very little have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, Your mina has earned five minas. Likewise he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. There were two distinct reasons given for Jesus teaching this parable. The one was because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would immediately appear. They were approaching Jerusalem, and the crowd was very excited, filled with anticipation of Jesus' arrival and the confrontation with his enemies. It appears evident that they expected Jesus to exert his power and overthrow all opposition and establish his kingdom as Messiah. So the parable is taught in order to prepare their hearts for his entrance into Jerusalem and to correct their false ideas about the kingdom it appears that two different groups are addressed by this parable. Those who believed in him and fully expected Jesus to declare himself and set up his kingdom, and those who were his enemies and determined to thwart his movements and see him destroyed.
2: Yeah, you know, back in chapter 17, verse 20 of Luke, Jesus told the Pharisees that the kingdom of God does not come with observation and so that was one of the two reasons given for this parable which was because he was near jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom would come and appear immediately that's that that would be a coming with observation instead he tells a story that doesn't sound anything like what you would expect regarding the the establishment of a kingdom Uh, kingdoms are not established by noblemen going into a far country and giving Minas to to servants so that they can go do business. Kingdoms perhaps are established by fighting wars and uh, you know making contracts, things like that. And uh, but you, you don't think of it in these terms. But Jesus' kingdom is established this way, and the talents, the minas that He's given to His servants. You know, He's given us, of course. In other parables it's described as seed uh, or the Word of God and and he also has given the spirit miracles were performed faith was established uh, and uh, faith as a mustard seed grows into a great uh, tree and as we know the kingdom is established not by observation but slowly as the Word of God is taught and souls are added to the church and, uh, and that will become a great a great kingdom. And so it's, a, it's not a parable that would describe any sort of observational kingdom, but something that grew slowly, started small, and grew into a great kingdom.
1: I think it's important that we remember that parables used everyday things, common things that people were familiar with, and they used them to teach spiritual lessons. In this parable itself, the nobleman represents Jesus, the servants represent his disciples, and the citizens represent his enemies. There is an emphasis here that speaks directly to the expect- expectancy of the crowd that the kingdom would be set up immediately. The parable warns that he must go away and be away for a long time before he returns, but that he will most certainly return and justly reward both his friends and his foes. One servant was given jurisdiction over ten cities because he had shown the capacity by producing ten pounds from one. Another was given the same with five, yet another of the ten came with just the one pound that he had been given originally. His reasoning was that his master was an exacting man and out of fear he had returned to him exactly the amount that he had been entrusted with. The main point of the parable seems to be that wise use of talents and opportunity demands their use and increase. The refusal to use even a very small gift means the loss even of that which we have. I believe that verse 27 suggests the terrible destruction of Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans in AD 70, As well as the eternal destruction that awaits those who refuse to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: I think um, it's to to the point that is made um, by the the nobleman there in verse um, verse 22, where it says, um, "Did you know that I am a demanding man, taking what I did not lay down, or reaping what I did not sow?" I think um, for us, in in kind of an application. You know, we, we don't know everything about God and um, in, even the scripture we don't know everything about uh, the complete picture of everything that's happening in certain instances but we know enough. Um, we know enough to, to be saved and to do what needs to be done to, to be saved through his grace. but I think you know for us as well we, we know the, the character of God to know that we need to use what we've been given um, and be active with it and, and take it and glorify. Him in a way that others can see Him and glorify Him as well, not to, um, regardless of if, if we envision ourselves as the one that was given ten minas or the one that was given the one, that we are still able to do excellent things and do work for God, um, regardless of where we may be on on that um, side, to do what we can to glorify Him with what we've been given um, is the, the bottom line, I think.
1: Okay, the next thing we need to talk about is a very important arrival at the city of Bethany. You know, it's interesting. It's kind of like a snowball rolling down a hill. It just gains momentum, and it gets bigger and bigger. And we're approaching the final week of the life of our Lord, and it's getting bigger. The, the tension is rising. It's like the snowball rolling down the hill. Anyhow, looking at John chapter 11, verse 55 through John chapter 12, verse 1, and then again, 12, 9 through 11, we see the arrival at Bethany. So I'll go ahead and read John chapter 11, verse 55 through chapter 12, verse 1. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus, and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? Will he not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and Pharisees had given a command, that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Looking at verses 9 through 11, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in him. Well, after the raising of Lazarus, Jesus had withdrawn to Ephraim, a town about five miles northeast of Bethel. From there, he made a northward swing along the borders of Samaria and into lower Galilee, crossing the Jordan River into Perea. As he made his way south through Perea, it is clear that a multitude journeyed with him. They were probably making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover, going early to allow for ritual purification. Jesus would have crossed the Jordan near Jericho, and made his way to that city where there was the healing of the blind man and the dinner in the home of Zacchaeus. The last Passover of the Lord's life was at hand, about a week away, and several people were already in the city to purify themselves for participating in the feast. The law did not specifically demand purification just before the Passover. But it is clear that the principle of ceremonial cleansing had been applied to the feast of the Passover, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verses 16-20. through 20. But think about it. Jerusalem is filled with excitement. Would Jesus come? The raising of Lazarus called, caused great excitement and had generated more anger and hostility among the leaders. It's interesting to me that the chief priests and the Pharisees had given an edict that if any man knew where Jesus was, he should make it known to them that they might take him. Obviously, they wanted to take Jesus to kill him, but Jesus did not hide. He did not do his works in secret. Multitudes followed him. What they really wanted was a time when they could get him away from the crowds and take him.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing that the chief priests would want Lazarus put to death, even though it's understandable uh, as far as their the protection of their power was concerned. He was a great liability. He they he just couldn't. He could not be explained away. The fact that he had died was evident. Uh, all knew it, and he was causing many to believe on account of the resurrection that Jesus had. Uh, have been able to perform, and yet this this resurrection was evidence of the greatest gift of God to men that one could offer. He has found a way to overcome our greatest enemy, which is death, and they they would not they would not receive it. So it's amazing. It's sad, and yet uh, from a human standpoint, uh, just evidence of the grip that their power and desire to hold on to their power uh, had on them.
1: You know, as you were kind of mentioning, Lazarus was mentioned because of the great excitement that his rising had, had generated. When word got out that Jesus was in Bethany, many went there not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus as well. So many believed in Jesus because of the risen Lazarus that the chief priests actually entertained the idea of putting Lazarus to death as well. Anybody have anything they want to add to this? Okay, we'll bring this particular episode to a close. We appreciate again each and every one of you who is listening. Tell your friends about the podcast and come and meet with us here at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. Our website is www.nkcfc.com. Until next time then, thanks for listening.